This afternoon, we continue looking at what James speaks about, that faith without works is dead. And as background readings, we first of all turn to a passage of the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, chapter 22, and we'll read the verses 1 through 14. And what we see in this passage is in the life of Abraham, the, an example of how the testing of his faith was to produce patience, and that patience was to have its perfect work, to be perfect and complete or mature, lacking nothing, the words that James speaks in chapter 1. So let's listen to the word of our God as we find that in Genesis 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And then we turn to the book of Hebrews. Letter to the Hebrews, just before the letter to James. And we will read chapter 11, beginning of verse 8 through 19, and then the verses 30 and 31. So Hebrews 11, starting at verse 8. 
By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God." By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. And then verse 30 and 31. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. So far, the reading of Scripture. And our text then is taken from James chapter 2. the verses 20 through 26. And to see them in the context of what we looked at this morning, we'll start our reading at verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, And one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. And here starts the text. But do, not, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then 
that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So far the reading of God's holy word. After the sermon, we will sing Psalm 116, the stanzas 1, 6, 9, and 10. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, one of the main teachings of the Great Reformation of the 16th century was the doctrine of justification by faith alone. By the grace of God, Martin Luther rediscovered this glorious truth when studying the book of Romans, and when he came across the phrase, the just shall live by faith. The emphasis on the doctrine of justification by faith alone made it difficult for Luther to accept the letter of James as the inspired word of God. He puzzled over what James means when he says, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now Luther's reaction to what he read was an overreaction. The fact that we are justified by faith alone does not take away the necessity of works. James does not overthrow the doctrine of justification by faith alone. But he demonstrates how justification must result in sanctification. John Calvin put it this way, faith alone justifies, but the faith that justifies is never alone. Now the relationship between justification, faith, and works was already introduced when this morning we looked at the verses 14 through 19 of chapter 2. James writes, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? You see, we can say repeatedly that we believe in the Lord and in the saving merit and grace of Jesus, in the forgiveness of sins, in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can say these things over and over again, but what good is such a claim if there is no indication of our life being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit? If righteous deeds are not the pattern of our life, all our pious talk goes out the window. The letter of James impresses on our hearts that faith in God is more than agreeing and assenting to the doctrines of Scripture. Living the Christian life is far more than going to catechism for a number of years passing an examination in front of consistory only to go your own way and do your own thing. You see, when you are transformed by the power of the Spirit, 
you cannot, in good conscience, say, just leave me alone. Don't bother me. I've been baptized, I've been catechized, I've been sanitized from all my major sins. Leave me alone because my faith is a private matter. No. You and I promise to commit our whole life to the Lord's service as living members of His church. And that has to come out in how we act and think, in our words and gestures, in our deeds of sacrificial love, in everything. Faith that stands alone, that is not followed through with righteous works, is dead. James says. And what is dead is useless. In our text, James gives two examples to illustrate the relationship between faith, works, and justification. And we will look at that further this afternoon under the following theme, the faith that justifies never stands alone. And we'll look at two things. We are given an example of this from the life of Father Abraham. So verses 20 through 24, and then from the prostitute Rahab, the verses 25 and 26. So as Christians, we are to get rid of the notion that a person can say that he believes in God, but in the meantime, carry on living a very secular life, a very selfish life. James uses language that is far from complimentary to get his point across to his readers. He actually is very blunt and forceful in his rebuke. Do you want to be shown, he says, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? To think you can be a Christian without showing any or little evidence of it in your daily task and calling, betrays spiritual shallowness. It's foolishness, says James. And so James, as a servant of Jesus, exhorts us, don't be spiritually ignorant. Be mature in Christ and search the Scriptures and you will learn that faith is not without works. Take Abraham, the father of all believers, as an example. James says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? And when James refers to Abraham as our father, he speaks of him not as the natural father of the Jews, but as the father of all who believe. It's the same matter that Paul discusses in Galatians 3, verse 7 through 9, where he writes, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are men of faith are blessed along with Abraham who had faith. You see, there is a spiritual sense in which all who believe are connected to Abraham. 
Abraham is a classic illustration of one who is justified by faith alone. But also of how faith does not stand alone. And that leads us to the statement made made by James that has caused some confusion and alarm among Reformed believers. We read in verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? And what does James mean when he says Abraham was justified by works? Can this be possible in view of what the Apostle Paul writes in the first verses of Romans 4? Paul says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh? If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So how can we make sense of this? James says Abraham was justified by works and Paul says if Abraham were justified by works he would have nothing, he would have something to boast about but not before God. Now we have to understand that the whole argument of Romans 4 is that Abraham was saved by faith alone and by grace alone. Human effort does not enter the picture. But can you understand why Martin Luther had so much difficulty accepting what James writes in our passage? Here we are given an example showing us how important it is to read the Bible with precision. There is a fine but significant distinction being made. Romans 4 verse 2 speaks about our justification before God. A person may pat himself on the back for all the good and wonderful works he does but his boasting will never hold up before the Lord. You cannot be placed in the right relationship before God through your works. Righteousness is imputed, that is, transferred to you through faith. You can only be justified before God by faith. The Lord transfers the righteousness of Christ to your account through the vehicle and instrument of faith. All of humanity is spiritually and morally bankrupt before the Lord. The Lord, without any doing of our own, deposits into our account the righteousness and the holiness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a believer's justification before God. 
And this happens to be the justification our father Abraham received as well. Romans 4 goes back to Genesis 15 where the scripture says very explicitly that Abraham believed the Lord and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham heard the covenant promises of the Lord and he responded in faith to those promises. He believed that God would fulfill his promise and give him a son even though he was already waiting for some time. God deposited righteousness into his account. So righteousness and justification is never earned through our works, but it is always received as a gift. And that's the marvel of salvation by grace through faith. We stand before God, all of us, with nothing. Yet God, in His sovereign grace, imputes, that is, He transfers to us the very righteousness which He possesses. He enables us to stand right with Him. And Abraham experienced this when he believed the promises of the Lord. And that's the way the Lord works justification, whether that be with Abraham or with you or with me. And now, none of what Paul says in Romans chapter 4 about justification and the example of Abraham is contradicted by James. In fact, he also quotes Genesis 15 verse 6. When he writes in verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. James knew exactly what that passage meant. But the point he makes is different from that of the Apostle Paul. For how was it evident before men before people that Abraham was justified. His justification was seen in his obedience. And this is what James means when he says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac upon the altar? Note the distinction. Abraham was justified by faith before God. But he was justified by works before others. Do you understand the difference? Abraham's faith in God, his justification and righteousness was demonstrated by his works before people. The only way you and, and I and others can see that I as an individual am justified before God is through my faith which is translated into action. 
Whereas Paul emphasizes our justification before God, James takes it one step further and shows how our claim to salvation is vindicated before others. The word James uses for justified in verse 21 has two general meanings. It means to consider or treat as righteous. But it also means to vindicate, to show or to demonstrate as righteous. In Romans 4, the first meaning is in the foreground. Abraham was acquitted, treated, described as righteous before God. In our text, the second meaning is highlighted. Abraham was vindicated, shown and demonstrated to be righteous by his works, that is, by his willingness to sacrifice his son. On one of the mountains in the region of Moriah, we are given a wonderful example of how true it is that faith alone justifies. But the faith that justifies is never alone. The story is told to us in Genesis 22. The Lord tests Abraham's faith in order to display and exhibit its genuineness in order for Abraham to move on to maturity in his relationship with the Lord. God tells him to take his son, his only son whom he loves, and to go offer him for a burnt offering on one of the mountains. The question, how can the Lord do this? Did he not promise that he would make Abraham's children as numerous as the stars of heaven? And was this not credited to Abraham as righteousness because he believed that promise? That the Lord, through Isaac, would see to it that the Messiah would be born. Abraham waited 25 years before this promise was fulfilled. But now, after enjoying the child for approximately 15 years, the Lord says to him, take your only son, whom you love, and offer him to me. Well, think about that in your life. Could you imagine if the Lord asked you to do such a thing? And yet we are not told of the remotest hesitation on Abraham's part. His actions and responses are, are based on his faith and trust in the Lord. He acts believing the Lord will provide in his own way. His justification before God was clearly seen in his unremitting obedience. He did not argue with the Lord. Instead, he makes a remarkable statement of faith. For as they come to the edge of the mountain, he says to his young men, stay here with the donkeys. 
I and the boy will go over there and worship. And then, listen to this. We will come again to you. Not I, but we. The Lord said, offer up your son. But Abraham says, I'll be back. And so will Isaac. Yes, we both will come back. We read in Hebrews 11 verse 19 that he considered that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead. Abraham went all the way, put Isaac on the altar, tied him up, got ready to start the fire got the knife up to plunge it into Isaac's heart. All because he believed in the God who could raise the dead. And just think about it. Abraham believed in something which to that point in time had never happened. And yet his faith was so strong, he believed that Isaac would go home with him. Even if it took a miracle, a resurrection from the dead. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son because he believed the Lord had the power to raise him from the dead. Having faith in the Lord, he had the spiritual energy and fortitude to do what God asked. And he did it certain that God would provide. Abraham believed God would keep his covenant and under no circumstance would ever violate his promise. James says Abraham was justified by works through this deed of obedience. He was justified by works before others. In being willing to sacrifice his son, Abraham was willing to sacrifice himself in obedience. Now being justified by works before men, before others, did not mean that he had some super powerful faith and trust in the Lord. He was a sinner that needed the grace of God. But the pattern of his life was transformed by the word of God. And so it was one of trust and confidence in the Lord. And so it must be for all of us. We are to step forward in faith, doing what the Lord requires, knowing that in our life too, he will provide. He will provide us with what we need to do his will. And what others will see that has nothing to do with our ability, our strength, our smarts, but all glory goes to God for what He provides. James 2 verse 22 summarizes what happened in Genesis 22. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. Works 
champion the reality of a true and living faith? A person who has received righteousness will show that righteousness. By our works, faith is brought to its purpose and goal. Justification before God is manifest in justification before people. Abram's faith was tested. And it was done with the purpose of showing maturity in his works. And isn't that something that James already discussed in chapter 1? We experience trials in life and God is working through them so that our faith may be perfected and come to maturity. Abraham's willingness to offer his only son demonstrated the truth of what was recorded after the Lord established his covenant with Abraham. He believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. And since Abraham showed himself willing to serve the Lord with undivided heart, he is called the friend of God. Yes, by God's mercy, he's given a title of intimacy and communion with the holy, majestic creator of heaven and earth. What a concept! A dead sinner is called friend of God. In John 15, verse 14, our Lord Jesus Christ tells us what makes it possible for someone to be called a friend of God. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So a friend of God is a title reserved for people who obey God and who trust in his promises. How do you recognize someone to be a Christian and a friend of God? You hear it in the way they speak about their Lord and Savior, in how they respond to the challenges of life. Friends of God, friends of Jesus, live in intimate communion with Him. Summing up, James concludes, you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. And he uses that statement to lead into a second illustration of how faith is complemented by works, which takes us to our second point, the example of the prostitute Rahab. And that second illustration is, is really quite different. It serves as a powerful testimony which drives home James's point loudly and eloquently. What was true for Abraham the father of all believers, is true for all believers. Yes, all believers, even for the vilest sinners who come to faith. We read in verse 25, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. Now, in certain ways, Rahab is remarkably unlike Abraham. Rahab was a woman whose background was in paganism and prostitution. And certainly not an individual you'd expect 
to be an illustration of how faith is obvious in works. Now the story to which James makes reference is recorded in Joshua 2. The Israelites are about to enter into the promised land. And by God's sovereign design, two men are sent by Joshua into Jericho to read the mood of the people. The authorities of Jericho learn that spies are in the city and they search for them. But Rahab hid them and convinced the authorities that they had gone. Well, why did she act like that? Well, once again, her deeds were a demonstration of her faith. She says to the spies, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the kings, the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Zion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Note Rahab's response of faith. She did not see the waters of the Red Sea drying up. She did not see the destruction of the kings of the Amorites. No, she heard the word and believed that the God of Israel is the only God in heaven and on earth. And that faith is spoken of in Hebrews 11, verse 31, as follows. By faith, the prostitute Rahab did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab believed in the Lord God of Israel. She believed he was coming to judge her city because of its disobedience. And thus she requested the spies to be merciful to her and to her family when Jericho was destroyed. Rahab's faith was seen in that she disassociated and separated herself from her own people and identified herself with the people of God. And there was no indecision or indecisiveness. She receives the messengers without betraying their presence and she sent them out another way. And she herself does not try to escape with them, but she remains in the doomed city, believing the Lord will fulfill His promise and will deliver her. And when the city of Jericho is destroyed, she is spared. And Rahab joins herself to the people of God. And she spends the rest of the days of her life with them. That's where she experiences the goodness of the Lord who justified her. And what does she do? She marries a leader of the tribe of Judah. And she bears a child who will be in the line of the Messiah as mentioned in Matthew chapter 1 verse 5. Rahab is justified before people by the deeds that spring forth from her faith. Others can see clearly her love and devotion to the Lord. 
Brothers and sisters, the past deeds of people like Rahab and all their ugliness and shame are not held against them. They are forgiven. Where the Lord works faith, they are replaced by deeds of righteousness. In the same vein, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, Do not be deceived, neither the immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor sexual perverts, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor robbers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. So the important factor is not your past, but how are you living in the present? Are you living as a believer in Christ? Are you showing yourself to be a child of God in your responses? In this life, we are not expected to have perfect faith. Abraham and Rahab also fell short. Yet we are called to walk in the newness of life. Rahab believed the word she heard. And the Lord credited it to her as righteousness. And that righteousness was vindicated by the action she took to save the life of the spies. Here was a woman who at one time lived a very sinful life. She had succumbed to the prevailing immorality of her environment. But she believes in God. And when given the opportunity, Rahab demonstrates her faith and trust in God by putting her life on the line. Yes, if she had been found out, would have cost her her life. For both Abraham and Rahab, the visible manifestation of their justification was in their willingness to put their faith, their dreams, their hopes on the line for Christ's sake. And so it must be for us as well. Brothers and sisters, let your faith in the Lord be seen in your works. Faith without deeds is dead. As the body apart from the spirit, apart from breath, is dead. So faith apart from works is dead, says James. And we all know what alarm it causes when someone says, He's not breathing. There are no vital signs. Well, the Lord has given, the Holy Spirit has given you the breath of eternal life. Let that be evident in that you serve the Lord with an undivided heart. Be sons of Abraham and daughters of Rahab, demonstrating in word and in deed that you are breathing. Amen. Amen.